your word. I thank you for all that you're going to speak to us. And I just declare that you are great. You are great. And we follow in your footsteps. I pray, Holy Spirit, even now, as I begin to, to speak this message, that you would heal people, restore people, that you would work a miracle in people's lives in the name of Jesus. I, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are actively at work in this message in the, in the life of every person that sees it, hears it, or is, is here today. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the one that gives life to these words in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So this morning, I'm going to be uh, talking out of uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. And this is what it says out of the New Living Translation. Uh, it says, Immediately after this, Jesus uh, insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had arisen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. He said, don't be afraid, take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. <clears throat> if I was to ask everybody here if we've ever been through a storm in life, if we've ever been through a hard time, had a traumatic event or an experience or something that's been exceptionally like a, a difficult season in our life. Most of us would say that we have lived through something that's similar to something like that. And life can be like that, like a storm that just keeps on coming at times. And this message isn't about us comparing uh, the storms that we've had, who's, got, who's had the worst storm. This message is about seeing the storm in a different light. The disciples are in this storm and it just keeps coming at them. It's three o'clock in the morning. The waves and the wind, they are strong. The disciples, they are struggling to make any headway. It's hard work. It's tiring. The storm just doesn't let up. Over, I think that probably the, the last couple of years, we could all probably agree that life's been a little bit like that. We've had COVID, uh, job losses perhaps, a relationship breakdown, 
Uh, the high cost of living, we've had petrol prices go up, interest rates, rates are starting to increase, food is going through the roof, challenge after challenge, hardship after hardship, it just keeps coming. It's as wave after wave comes and that the wind just won't stop, that the disciples see what looks to be like a ghost walking on the water towards them. Surprise, it's Jesus. Jesus talks to his disciples. He affirms who he is in the middle of this storm. And then Peter, standing up in the boat, in the middle of this storm where the waves and the wind just keep coming, Peter stands up and he says, and he asks Jesus to make him come and walk on the water towards Jesus. And it's what Peter doesn't say in this passage that captures my attention. Have you ever asked yourself why Peter never asked Jesus to stop the storm? Have you ever wondered why in the middle of this storm where his life is being threatened as well as the other disciples, why Peter never said to Jesus, can you stop the storm? Instead, Peter asks Jesus to make him walk on water. Why didn't Peter ask Jesus to stop the storm? I've been in some storms. I've been through some stuff. It's been hard. It's been painful. It's been hurtful. I've just wanted the storm to stop. The last thing on my radar is to ask Jesus, oh, could you just help me to walk on some water while we're here? I mean, that's not even, like, I'm not even thinking that. All I want is the storm to stop. I want the wind to stop blowing. I want the waves to just calm down a bit so that I can get some sort of equilibrium. I can stop the pain that's happening in my life. Walk on water? Is it possible that there is something in the storms that we go through that possibly we're missing? Is it possible that we can see the storms of our life differently? I believe that there are three things that we can see in our storms, just three simple things that I believe that will help us to see our storms in a different way today and maybe to navigate that season differently than historically how we have. The first thing is, first thing that I believe that we will see in all of our storms, we will see Jesus in our storms. We'll see Jesus in our storm. It says in verses 25 and 26 of our passage that at about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw Jesus walking on the water, they were terrified. They were in fear, in fear. And they cried out, it's a ghost. So in the middle of the storm, Jesus walks on the water and he looks like a ghost. Now, let me, I'm not sure about this. I don't know if Jesus was lit up 
that there was some sort of a glow about him, that there was some sort of thing that was surrounding him, that you, know, you could see that it was quite clearly Jesus. But what I do know is this, that they saw Jesus. It was clearly, they were able to see this man, this person, who was walking on the water towards them. And it's, you know, sometimes it's really hard to express the relief that we have of discovering that Jesus is right there in the storm with us, walking through that storm with us when we are hurting or in a difficult season of life. Jesus wants you and me to see him in the storms that we go through. With everything that's happening, Jesus wants us to see him in those storms. No matter what we may be going through, Jesus wants us to see him. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. He is our rescue. He is our salvation. He is our freedom. He is our healing. He is our wholeness. Jesus wants us to know that it's him through whom those things come. If we're in the fire of the greatest battle of our lives, Jesus wants us to know that even in a fiery furnace, he's right there in the middle with us. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Off to bed we go. That's how I always remember his name. Uh, it's just warped. There we go. I digress. These three guys, they've refused to bow down and worship the gold statue that had been created by King Nebuchadnezzar. And the punishment for not bowing down to this statue was death by fire. And in Daniel chapter 3, verses 23 to 25, we read, So Shadrach, Meshach, and off to bed we go, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly... Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we just tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. They replied, that's what they replied. Then Nebuchadnezzar says, look, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed, and the fourth Looks like a God. Even in the fiery furnace, Jesus is with us. Even in the hottest, most intense period of your life, Jesus is right there. Jesus is with us in that fiery furnace of life. Jesus is not only with us, but he wants us to see him in the storm and the fire. I remember a time when our youngest son, who's around about five years of age, we were sitting down to have some lunch and we were having chicken for lunch. And I'm, I'm, Don't quote me if I'm wrong, but I think that I was on afternoon shift, so we had our main meal at lunchtime. So I, that's what we were doing. We are having a, a lunch together and we're sitting down having this lunch. And suddenly Nathan, our youngest son, gets up from the table and he goes off to the bathroom. And he says, I'm just, I said, well, what are you going off for? He said, I'm just going to wash my hands. And both Jay and I thought, that's weird. Like, like a kid washing their hands for a start. But it just, it was out of character. So I think Jane went to, to check on him. And, and she's coming back out of the, the bathroom and back to where we were sitting down. Our son Nathan has collapsed, just dropped to the ground. 
and like I it's just completely crazy you know uh, all of the training that I'd ever had in life all of my my abilities my my knowledge about what to do in first aid situations everything like just exited out my left ear at that moment I had no clue I was in a flap I lost I panicked absolutely I'm a trained police I know how to do stuff but when it came to my family I just lost the plot James stepped in brilliantly and handled the situation so well James picked up our son and, and grabbed him and trying to do the, the Heimlich maneuver, you know, trying to, to, to dislodge, because we think that he had some food lodged in his throat, and that was the reason that he'd, he'd collapsed. So she's trying to do the Heimlich thing, so she, it, she's looking like she's doing the, uh, the accordion with him, <laughs> trying to get some, so this thing out of his throat. That wasn't working. She grabbed him, turned him upside down, started to play him like a bagpipe. <laughs> Trying to get this thing out of, stuck his uh, fingers right up into his throat to try and dislodge it. And by this time, we've made our way to the front door. I think that somehow I've probably called the ambulance and just wanting help. Uh, A neighbor across the road, she's an ambulance officer. She, I don't know know how she came out. Uh, Naomi, our daughter, has bolted across the road by the sound of it and and got our neighbor who, who was across the road. She's come across and then our son has just dislodged this this food out after James stuck her fingers in, in his mouth and, and he's had this bit of a vomit uh, and stuff like that. So it's come out and he started to breathe again. But then, you know, you hear the ambulance and, and it was only when I, I, I heard the ambulance arrive that I started to come down, I knew that my son was going to be okay. It was only when I saw the ambulance that I knew that we we're going to be okay. And this is the thing about Jesus, that when we're going through a storm, Jesus wants us to see him in the storm. He doesn't want to remain hidden from us. He's not playing a game of hide and seek with us. He wants us to know that help is right there. Jesus wants us to see him in the storm. And I pray that the next time that you are going through a storm, that you see Jesus in your storm and you know that he's right there with you. Number two, the second thing that I believe that we will see in a storm is that Jesus gives us courage in our storm. That Jesus gives us, we will see Jesus give us this courage. The disciples have cried out that it's a ghost and, and who's walking towards them in this storm. And in, in verse 27, Jesus spoke to them at once. He said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. That phrase to take courage in, in, in the way that I see this is that Jesus is actually offering courage to us. He says, take courage. I'm going to give you some courage. So take this courage that I'm going to give you so that you can get through the storm that you're right in right now. So this, uh, this whole thing, it's, we give this, get this courage. So Jesus says, take courage. There's courage on offer uh, for, for the disciples and it's for us. So Jesus comes to give us, uh, to take nothing from us except our sin. Jesus only ever takes things from us that are bad for us. He doesn't want to take your good time away. He wants to take from us our sinfulness and he gives us his grace. Jesus only wants to take from us our sickness. 
because he wants to give us healing. Jesus only takes from us our poverty spirit to give us a generous spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus loves to give us healing, wholeness, freedom, provision, and life. It says in Proverbs 21, 26, some are always greedy for more, but the godly love to give. But the godly love to give. So Jesus told his disciples to take courage. So in the storm, when the wind blows and the rain pours, take courage this morning. When everything looks, it tells us to abandon ship and to quit, take courage. When our health takes a bad turn, take courage. When we sense the the Holy Spirit prompting us to, to step out in some way, take courage. When we fall flat on our face as a result of taking a risk for Jesus, take courage. Take courage because Jesus gives us courage. It wants us to step out in faith to get out of the boat. So why can we take courage? The answer is in the passage itself. He says, take courage. In the Amplified Bible, it says, take courage, I am. I am. Stop being afraid. The great I am. The name that you, was used to identify God the Father to the, uh, to the people of God when Moses says, well, who am I going to say sent me to these people to release? Who am I going to say to Pharaoh that, that sent me to him to, to release the, the people of, of, of God, the Israelites? God the Father said, I am. I am. I am is in our storm. I am is right there. And he gives us the courage that we need. I am your healing. I am your freedom. I am your hope of eternal life. I am your miracle. I am your provision. I am the love and the acceptance that you are longing for in life. I am is in our storm and he is everything that we need. In about 2005, 2006, as the pastor of this church, I went through what I term the darkest night of my soul. It was a season of my life where it was just horrendous, absolutely horrible. I'd made a decision as the lead, as a pastor of the church that I felt damaged the church. I can see today that God's hand was in everything that went on, but in the moment, I knew, I felt like I'd failed dismally, completely. I thought I'd ruined the church. I thought I'd damaged the church so badly that I stood up in this pulpit and all I could feel, and it wasn't true, but all I felt like was that people were looking at me and saying, you've, da- you've, you've killed this church. You've done something, you know, and I hadn't failed morally. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's nothing like that. It was, I hadn't sinned or anything like that. Just done some uh, made a silly a, a, a decision, silly decision. But it wrecked me. I was absolutely beside me. I didn't know how to, to make it through the season. And it came to the point where all I wanted to do was to quit, to walk away and to give up. I thought I was done. But one morning as I'm praying, and I'm, I'm due to preach that morning on a Sunday morning, I'm praying, Lord, I've got to know that you're here. I've 
got to know that you, you haven't made a mistake. I've got to know that I can make it through this season. I, I had no clue. I was, it was the darkest season of my life. I, I remember many times sitting beside my bed, just weeping, crying, just on my knees. And I remember that morning, I said, Lord, I've got to know I can make it through this. So I turned the TV on. Up pops T.D. Jakes. You know what he's preaching on? The answer to my prayer. The series he's doing is living through the dying places. I thought I was dying. This was a specific answer for me. At the very morning that I'm saying, Lord, I don't think I can make it through. I'm dying here. And then God, through a TV program, just gives you the courage that you need to make it through. Living through the dying, dying places. Can I say, that was the start of my recovery. I wasn't going around saying, yippee, whoa, fantastic, I'm all better, I'm, I'm wonderful now, I'm fantastic, I'm healed, I'm delivered and all the rest of it. No, it was a process of coming out because I knew that there was a way out because I'd been given courage to continue on. When Jesus, with Jesus, we can do all things, including taking courage. And here's my question. What will we do with the courage that Jesus gives to us? Because he gives us courage for a purpose. What will we do as a result of receiving the courage? When we take that courage from Jesus, what will we do with that courage? My third point this morning is this. Because I believe that we will see three things. We will see Jesus in our storm. We will see that Jesus gives us courage in the storm. And thirdly, that we will see Jesus sustains us in our storm. In verse 27 of Matthew 14, it says, Jesus spoke to them at once. Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid, he said. See, these words gave Peter such incredible courage that it helped him overcome any fear that Peter asks Jesus to actually call him out of the boat and to walk on water. That is the level of courage that Jesus gave to Peter to step out of the boat and to actually walk on water. That's the level of courage. Peter says, Lord, if it's really you, when, uh, you know, when doubt comes in, we need a word that brings a revelation of Jesus. Okay, So Peter says, if this is really you, then Lord, would you call me to come out to, to walk on the water? In other words, Jesus, will you give me a word in this season? And this request is even more amazing when you consider this. So Jesus is being asked by Peter to get, so he can walk on water. So in legal terms, okay, there's something called the burden of proof. In civil cases, the burden of proof where someone has to prove something's true is based on uh, the balance of probabilities, okay? So it's probably true what someone's saying, okay? The, the, the criminal level is called beyond a reasonable doubt. Now, all of you who watch CSI know that every crime is solved within an hour. So, 
But the burden of proof to prove something is beyond a reasonable doubt. It's higher, it's a higher level than on the balance of probabilities. Here's the thing. I have a suspicion that Peter couldn't swim. I can't prove this, so please hold the stoning until later. This is my personal belief, my suspicion about it. I'm not saying it's beyond a reasonable doubt. I'm not even saying it's on the balance of probabilities. What I am saying is I suspect that Peter couldn't swim. Why do I say that? Because later in this passage, you actually start to read where Peter takes his eyes off Jesus. Peter starts to sink. He doesn't doggy paddle. He doesn't tread water. He sinks. I don't know about you, but at the worst, I could doggy paddle. If I couldn't swim, I could probably keep... Peter's sinking. I suspect that Peter couldn't swim. Think about the level of courage that Peter received from Jesus that caused him to walk on the water. That word that Jesus gave to Peter actually sustained him. Peter stepped out in faith based on one word from Peter. Here's my next mind-blowing revelation. I don't believe that Peter walked on the water. I believe he walked on the word. I believe he walked on a word. Metaphorically speaking, you understand what I'm saying? He's walked on the word, come. That word was enough to sustain Peter. That was enough to stop him from sinking. That was enough so that he was no longer in danger. He was being sustained by Jesus. That one word sustained Peter. Jesus sustained Peter in this storm. When Peter looked at the storm, he sank because there's no power in a storm to sustain him or us. Whenever we look to Jesus, Jesus will come through for us. One word from God will sustain us when we're hurting, when we're in pain, or when we're in a storm. Psalm 16 verse 5 says, You, Lord, are all I have, and you give me all I need. My future is in your hands. You give me all I need. Corrie Tem Boom says, If God's all you've got, then God's all you need. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 says, And he said to me, My grace, my favor, and loving kindness and mercy is enough for you, sufficient against any danger, and enables me or enables you to bear the trouble, to bear the trouble manfully or womanfully. This is obviously taken out of the Amplified Bible. For my strength, it goes on, says, and power are made perfect. They are fulfilled and completed and show themselves most effective in your weakness. So the power of God is released to us. His grace is released to us 
when we just can't do it anymore. It's at that moment that it elevates us and sustains us. Once I heard that, the, the, Paul goes on, he says, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. The gift of his word, the gift of his spirit, the gift of his presence, the gift of his promises. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. We need to do what Peter did. Don't focus on the storm. Focus on doing everything we can to get closer to Jesus, even if it means taking a huge step of faith and walking on a word on the water. In the storms that we are facing or will face, nothing matters except Jesus in the storm. Is this what we need to start to see about our storms? It's not about making the storm stop because who knows that what stuff we go through, none of the storms stop instantly or they rarely do. But they go on and they go on and they keep coming and they keep coming. So maybe we need to see the storm differently. We need to see Jesus in our storm. We need to see that Jesus gives us the courage in the storm. We need to see that Jesus sustains us in the storm. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, Your words are what sustained me. They're food to my hungry soul. They're my joy and my heart's delight. For I bear, you, they, I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. The only way I got through the dark night of my soul was because I knew that God had given me a word and that God doesn't make mistakes. When we first took the church on in 2003, God gave Jane and I the passage out of Joshua chapter 1 verse 6 and it says, Be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people. That was the only thing that I could pray in that season on my knees. Lord, you gave me this word. Now, either you're a liar or this is true. Either this is real and you told me that I was going to lead these people, then I've got to believe that you made a right choice here. And it started, it was an anchor that I stuck in the ground and I said, Lord, I'm going to believe this word. Psalm 119 verses 49 to 50 says, Remember your promise to me. It is my only hope. Your promise revives me. It comforts me. In all my troubles. Psalm 119 verse 114 says, You're my refuge and my shield. Your word is my source of hope. Psalm 119 verse 143 says, As pressure and stress, anyone suffering from pressure and stress in life? As pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commands. Why didn't Peter? Asked Jesus to stop the storm. Perhaps because nothing else but getting closer to Jesus matters in a storm. Jesus is in our storm. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Jesus gives us the courage in our storm. We've got to use the courage that God gives to us. How do we use the courage? You just keep coming to church, keep reading your Bible, you keep praying. 
You use the courage when you can't believe anymore. Lord, you've given me this word. I'm going to stake it in the ground. I'm going to use it as an anchor. I'm not moving from this place. I'm going to use this word to, to continue to get up every day. No, the enemy wants to take me out. The enemy wants to kill, destroy my life. But you came to give me life. And I choose life today. I choose to live. I choose to believe the word of God today. Jesus sustains us in our storm. If we lose sight of Jesus, he's right there to reach out and to save us, to help us hold on and to sustain us. And I declare over all of you today that if you're going to, through this storm right now, you are going to make it to the other side because Jesus is in your storm and he gives you the courage to make it through and he will sustain you in your storm. Is it time to stop praying for the storm to stop? And instead, do whatever it takes to get closer to Jesus, even if it means stepping out of your comfort zone. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, this is my last scripture for this morning, says only Jesus has the power to save. His name is the only one in all the world that can save anyone. Now, I know this talks about our eternal salvation, but just maybe, just maybe it can apply to our circumstance as well. That in our storm, in the things that we're going through, that only Jesus can save us in our storm. Can we stand? What I do know is that the end of this story ends quite well. It says in verses 32 to 33, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. And this morning, I think it would be great for us just to worship Jesus. Just in this moment, to call upon the name of Jesus. Maybe you're going through the storm of a lifetime. Maybe it just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming and coming. You don't know what, what it's going to take to stop it. But I know that the name of Jesus is the name that we can call on to be our salvation this morning. So as the team leaders, I'm going to be here if you would like some prayer. I'm happy to pray for people. Lord, I just thank you for this moment. Lord, I just thank you right now that by your Spirit, right now, Holy Spirit, I believe that the Spirit of God is dropping Scripture, passages into your hearts right now. You may have heard them years ago. You may not even know where they are in the Bible. You, you just didn't know it was there, but the Holy Spirit is going to lead you to passages that will sustain you. He will give you the courage to believe those words because Jesus is right there with you. I pray right now for every person here present in this moment for a divine encounter with God. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing and saying into our lives this morning. Bless your people. Encourage them. Jesus' name. If you like prayer this morning, come out the front. Love to pray with you.